Welcome to FRC Media News for Thursday, February 6, 2020. I'm Keith Tebow. Tonight, South End residents will get an update on some of their environmental concerns at King Philip Mill and the Healy School. Fall River is receiving over $1.2 million in state funds to bolster public safety. And city officials are gearing up for the federal decennial census coming up later this spring. We'll have those stories coming up in just a moment, but first, Let's check in with Phil Devitt, the digital news editor at the Herald News, to talk on some of the news issues of the week. Phil, how are you? I'm doing fine, Keith. Good to be with you. Well, thanks for joining us. Let's get right to it. A couple of weeks ago, we um, had the story uh, going back to the federal indictments of former Mayor Jaziel Correa and, and others um, in Boston. Um, in that indictment, uh, former uh, chief of staff, uh, Jan Andrade was uh, involved and also indicted for bribery and extortion and, and other charges. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Ms. Andrade, through her attorney, was asking the uh, judge in the case to sever her part, her indictments, from the mayor's indictments. Right now, they're currently together and the, the pair are scheduled to begin the trial sometime in May. Well, this week, Phil, the uh, federal prosecutors uh, came back and argued against that uh, severing with the judge and they want to keep things together. What were their claims? Yeah, so I mean, well, this whole thing started um, when um, Ms. Andrade's uh, attorney uh, basically argued to the judge that uh, linking Correa and Andrade's cases would cause prejudice against her, uh, claiming that um, she's not connected to all of the allegations against the former mayor and that it wouldn't be fair to her. Well, prosecutors are now telling a judge, uh, no, we don't want it to be that way. They should be tried together. Their argument being that, uh, quote, they conspired together in several related schemes, unquote. That's direct from prosecutors this week. Uh, and prosecutors are also arguing it just makes sense to try the two of them together, uh, saying that it would conserve uh, resources and avoid the possibility of inconsistent verdicts. And now we await the decision of that federal judge uh, to see if uh, this will happen. Uh, as you said, the trial is scheduled to start in May. Um, we should also note that in a, a second motion uh, filed the same day as the first by uh, Andrade's attorney, um, Andrade also requested a hearing uh, to determine whether uh, statements that she made um, under a grant of immunity uh, were used against her in a grand jury or would be used against her at trial. So there are still some key questions up in the air here, Keith, as we get closer and closer to uh, this highly anticipated trial. No indication at all from what you know on when um, the judge in the case will issue some sort of ruling on this? We haven't heard, but, um, you know, we're, we're checking every day and we wouldn't be surprised if it happens uh, very, very soon. At this point, um, things seem to be moving rather quickly in this case. Right. And of course, if it were to be severed, then there would be a whole nother uh, issue in terms of maybe rescheduling that May date or having one party go in May and another go at a different time. So, all right, we'll definitely uh, continue to Correct. follow it. Uh, one thing that was uh, in the, the paper, you had actually teased it last week when you left, but was in the paper over the weekend is the one month anniversary of Mayor Paul Coogan's inauguration and some of the things he's learned or has done over the uh, first month of his administration. Uh, fill us in on what some of uh, Joe Good found out in speaking with the mayor. 
Yeah, so Joe finally got to sit down with the mayor recently um, for some good one-on-one -on -one time. And he made clear he has a few priorities uh, during his uh, you know, first leg of time in office. That top priority for him seems to be getting a full staff. Mm. Uh, he walked into an administration that has some key positions unfilled. Um, he says, you know, key spots need to be need to be filled. City administrator being one of them. Uh, Mary Stahati, who is the financial services director in the city, is the interim city administrator. Obviously, uh, Mayor Coogan wants to find a permanent one, but also the city assessor, um, assessor has resigned. Uh, the treasurer resigned. Um, so he's looking to get the right people in those offices as soon as possible. But our interview was wide ranging with the mayor. He also talked about abandoned properties being uh, a big priority for him. He wants to get a handle on those. Um, and he says he's making good on a campaign promise to visit every city owned property within the first 60 to 90 days um, of his tenure to try to get a sense of, you know, what the needs are there, what needs to be fixed. Um, and he says he's a guy on the road. Uh, he's you know, also trying to visit with public safety here in the city. He says he has an open door policy at government center. He doesn't want people to be afraid to visit the mayor's office. And uh, you know, uh, the, the second part of, uh, of our coverage the other day was um, a coffee meeting he right. had with some constituents, um, which is something I think he wants to do more of as, as we go forward. But this was the first one. Um, again, just to hear from residents what, what you know, their priorities are. And I know that um, from speaking to some other people, he's also um, heavily entrenched and looking to meet with some of the neighborhood associations. Um, he has done that, I believe. Mm -hmm. I believe he even met with some of them prior to taking office in January in seeing their needs in terms of neighborhood associations that, that had been done in the past, but he wants to uh, make it a point to visit with some of those neighborhood associations. You talk about that, that coffee uh, time with the mayor down in the far south end mm -hmm. of, of Fall River speaking to residents. And I think um, he plans on doing more of those. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the sense we get. Uh, you know, again, he says he's he's um, a, a man out on the streets. He, you know, I get the sense from him. Uh, I don't know him very well personally, but I get the sense through the reporting that we've done that, uh, you know, he, he doesn't like to be uh, in the office a whole heck of a lot. If he's there, it's because he's getting a lot of work done. Otherwise, he wants to be out meeting people and figuring out what needs his attention next. And I think a big priority this uh, summer, uh, anyway, um, will be cleanup of the city, yeah, getting litter off the streets, uh, sort of restoring uh, some, uh, some, some beauty to some places that need it. Right. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to look forward to that. So it's good to see the mayor out and about um, to visit uh, residents of the city while also trying to keep in track of what's, what's happening um, in the office, if you will. And again, mm -hmm. it's been, been a little over, literally a month. It was January 6th, I believe. Today's February 6th. So it's been 31 days. So mayor's still feeling his way around, but it's good that um, he's getting out there and people are, are able to interact with him. So that, that was good. Speaking of something good, uh, let's end this week with a, a story, not Fall River based, but actually in Swansea. Um, there have been some mentions on social media here in uh, the Massachusetts area in Boston of... Um, uh, Donnie Wahlberg, uh, the, the actor, leaving a huge tip um, at, a, at a restaurant uh, in the Boston area. And uh, he kind of made a challenge to others in our region to uh, make some unexpected tips to those who serve us in that capacity. And apparently there was an individual at um, the Harvest Market in Swansea who left a big tip this week as well. What do we know about this? 
Yeah, well, you know, so Donnie Wahlberg, 2020, he left a $2,020 tip on an IHOP bill. Uh, there was a lot of commotion online this week that the person who left the tip at Harvest Market in Swansea for a server there was also Donnie Wahlberg. We talked to the owner of Harvest Market today, the manager. Yeah. She says, don't worry, it wasn't Donnie Wahlberg. It's it's a, a gentleman who frequents the establishment. Um, but yeah, he left a $2,000 tip for a server uh, on Wednesday. Uh, she was the only server on the floor at the time. By the time she realized, uh, looking at the check, that she'd been left that much money, she tried to flag the guy down in the parking lot. He was already gone. Uh, we got to speak to um, the server who uh, you know, wanted to keep her identity quiet, but she sure. says she goes by Lena. Um, uh, she's extraordinarily grateful. She's still uh, in disbelief about it. Um, you know, this is the type of thing you see online all the time in those sort of viral stories and videos. But uh, for it to happen locally is, is is a big deal. And particularly for, for this person who has been waiting tables all her life, has a second job as a server, really works hard. Uh, so it's uh, the kindness of, of strangers really uh, turning somebody's day around. So it's, uh, it's a nice thing. Did the... I know Linda Murphy reported on this story, and it was just posted uh, today uh, mm -hmm. online. Do you know if she had the opportunity to ask Lena how she would spend that kind of money or just save it and, and use it to pay bills? Uh, we didn't, I didn't get that far with Linda, uh, but uh, it certainly a story like this gets you thinking about what you would do if somebody plopped $2,000 in your lap, you know? Yeah. I, I think for me personally, I would have to resist the urge to go out and spend it on uh, delicious food and probably be smart and bank it and pretend, pretend I don't have it because right. I'll need it later on. That's right. It's always a wise How move. How about you, Keith? Always a wise move, young man, to uh, save yeah. it for a rainy day <laughs> like today when we're filming this. All right, Phil, what's coming up over the next few right. days? So, uh, as usual, we're working on a lot, but uh, from uh, an economic development perspective, our uh, economic development reporter, uh, Peter Jasinski, is uh, looking into three properties in Greater Fall River uh, that were recently sold for over a million dollars. So, we're just taking a close look at those properties and, uh, and the, the change of hands there. So, we'll have that report probably uh, later today and this weekend at heraldnews.com and uh, in the print edition. All right, Phil. Thanks a lot. We'll talk again next week. Take care. You too, Keith. Thank you. We'll have more right after this. Here are some job descriptions on the latest hot jobs list from the Mass Hire Fall River Career Center. On-site medical representative, Amazon Corporate, located at 1180 Innovation Way, is looking to hire a full-time on-site medical representative to provide first aid care to injured employees in the warehouse and actively analyze tasks for safety issues. Job number 13156072. Car Cleaning Associate, Hertz Rental Cars, located at 1672 Pleasant Street, is looking for a part-time car cleaning associate to assist with customer pickup and delivery, cleaning interior and exterior vehicles, filling all necessary fluids, and refueling. Job number 13153347. Kitchen Helper, New Boston Bakery, located at 279 New Boston Road, is in need of a full-time kitchen helper to assist in a busy cafe bakery environment in food preparation and safety. Job number 13154565. AutoZone, located at 870 North Main Street, is looking to fulfill the following full and part-time positions. Auto Parts Delivery Driver, job number 13151883. 
Commercial Sales Manager. Job number 1315624. St. Anne's Hospital, located at 795 Middle Street, is also looking to fulfill the following full and part-time positions. Medical Scribe, job number 1315781. Staff CT Technician, job number 1315781. For more information on these or other positions, visit Mass Hire Job Quest at jobquest.dcs.ol.mass.gov or call the Mass Hire Fall River Career Center at 508-730-5000. Welcome back. Two major demolition projects in the city's south end, the King Philip Mill and the former Healy School, have caused some environmental concerns for local residents. Tonight at 6.30 at Good Shepherd Parish, representatives of the State Department of Environmental Protection will be on hand at the South End Neighborhood Association meeting to provide greater detail on the cleanup efforts. Neighborhood Association President and State Representative Alan Sylvia says the projects have been well monitored by the DEP and pose no threat to nearby residents. The DEP visited 40 times. So it's people who think that that never happened visited 40 times over, over that, that uh, and I was there many of those times. So um, this wasn't something that was uh, haphazardly done or just say knock a building down and we're not going to be uh, checking air quality and those concerns. So I think it's good for people to uh, uh, again hear about this issue. You know, it was seven years ago we were worried about a building burning and evacuating people. So now uh, it's a little different. And uh, we're getting to that point in time where we're going to have preservation of a mill building, we're going to have brand new homes, and we're going to have a new green space, over half an acre of green space, opening Cook Pond that has never been opened before, never seen by, uh, by human eyes. So uh, we're excited about that. No one's in any danger. I know there was some concerns about public safety. They, uh, they, as soon as there's an issue, the Department of Environmental Protection is why they close it down. That's why they seal it if there's traces of asbestos. So uh, people should know that asbestos is in every building that was built prior to 1980. So many of your homes have asbestos. Every school built be before 1980 has asbestos. Every mill building. So asbestos only becomes dangerous when it's disturbed, uh, demolished, and those particles go into the air. Air quality control is important. They're going to be addressing that, so we're looking forward to that. Mayor Paul Coogan will also be attending tonight's Neighborhood Association meeting to address any other resident concerns. Fall River Police and Fire Department received a much-needed boost last week as Lieutenant Governor Karen Polito provided a state grant of over, over $1.26 million for staffing needs. And it's really the public safety that is the most important job of government, federal, state, and local government to ensure the public safety. And sometimes we just take for granted, and ex excepting all the people in this room for sure, that they're always going to be there for us because they always are uh, in the emergency calls, in the routine matters that they need to do every single day to protect properties and, and, and help people uh, interact with the school department. All the things that we ask our police and fire departments to do 
are pretty um, incredible and uh, we should never take them for granted. And these jobs are hard, they need equipment, they need training, they need the best to be able to do their very best for you. And we are very grateful, and I speak for everyone here, that there are men and women of this community and of the communities of the Commonwealth who wear that uniform and get up and answer the call every single day. And to them and to their families at home, uh, we so appreciate uh, their service, their sacrifice, and their uh, deep responsibility for keeping all of us safe. So just please acknowledge all the public safety folks. Now the fire department is receiving over $750,000 in funding, while the police department will see an extra $509,000. Of all the public safety grants issued this year, Fall River received the largest award. We'll have more FRC Media News after this. Thank you for considering a homeless pet today. I hope you enjoy what you're about to see. And as always, please feel free to contact the shelter before coming down to make sure that the pets you're viewing are still available for adoption. We can be reached at 508-677-9154. Hi, welcome to Hot Dogs and Cool Cats. Today we have Margot here. Margot is a young uh, lady. She's, she's about eight months old or so. As you can see, she's got a nice gray coat. Very, very soft still. Uh, she's still very much a kitten. Um, she can be very playful, but even for eight months, she can also be very, very chill. She'll, she likes uh, being picked up, getting attention. As far as what kind of home that she would do well in, uh, she does well with other cats. Uh, she takes a little bit of time to get used to them. She would be okay with kids. So if you'd like to meet Margot, you can come down to 300 Linwood Street in Fall River, Massachusetts at Forever Paws Animal Shelter. Today we have Maggie. Maggie is a seven-year-old uh, pit bull mix. As you can see, she certainly loves her attention. She's a very sweet girl. She's good with, with all kinds of people. She's very much a, a, a what you see is what you get kind of dog. But as you can see, she knows some of her cues. She knows how to sit. She'll go down. She is, however, um, very uh, motivated for treats, for food, that kind of stuff, which helps a lot with, with training. <laughs> Just because she's seven doesn't mean that, uh, that uh, she, can't, uh, she can't learn to please. And given how sweet she is, how, how motivated she is, um, she'll, she'll learn quickly. Uh, and she's, again, also a pet, a working breed. Um, they always need something to do, something to learn. Um, she'd be very good with that. She's a very sweet girl, and if you'd like to meet her, you can come down to 300 Linwood Street in Fall River, Massachusetts at Forever Paws Animal Shelter. The federal government will be conducting its 10-year census count of all residents beginning later this spring. Fall River held a kickoff event last week preparing residents about the importance of taking part in the census. State Representative Paul Mark is leading the legislature's redistricting efforts that will take place from the outcome of the census. Representative Mark lays out the timeline on when local residents can expect to see census activity. The census is going to mail first in mid-March. They're going to mail to everybody's address an advertisement letting people know census is coming and that you can fill it out online. Filling out the census online is the preferred method for the first time in the history of the census, which dates back to 1790. And if you do not fill it out online, there will then be options for telephone. Telephone options are available in multiple languages, at least 12. There will be paper option and then if the census doesn't hear from people about a month or two in, then the enumerators, the census takers, will actually be sent door to door 
door and we'll come to your door and, and try to interview you. And Fall River specifically is one of the hardest to count, regarded as one of the, the hardest to count census tracts in the entire country. Because there are a large immigrant population, there is a low self-response rate. The estimate, estimated self-response rate was 67% last time. So it's so important that Fall River and all of Massachusetts get counted fully, accurately, and uh, fairly. And then we're going to take those numbers on the Committee on Redistricting, and we're going to draw, redraw the lines for the State House, the State Senate, the Governor's Council, and the U.S. House of Representatives. And so it's extremely important to make sure that Fall River and Massachusetts has its full and complete voice represented in Boston and in Washington. The census is also seeking to fill some temporary positions needed to conduct the count. For more information, please contact Fall River Government Center. That's it for this edition of FRC Media News. You can watch FRC Media News Thursdays and Fridays at 6 p.m. and follow our stories online at frmedia.org. For all of us here at FRC Media News, I'm Keith Tebow. Have a great week. We'll see you next Thursday.